0: Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Who To Be A podcast, the Big 4-0. I'm your host, Jim Chisholm, and today I'm joined by three other people. So we've got football writers Blake Welton and Rory Benson, and we've got sports writer Tom Howell. Did I pronounce that right? That's
1: absolutely right. Yeah, brilliant. Got it first time.
0: This is—I don't even have to do my research. <laughs> um, so we're going to today. We're going to review Saturday's incredibly frustrating game against Swansea, and then we'll look at Palace, which is looking like shaping up to be an incredibly important game. Before we do, I'm going to point you in the direction of our sponsors, BA52. Go on the website, type in the code Huddersfield, which I really hope you can all spell by now you get a £29 crate of beer for 5 which is brilliant and remember drink responsibly so the important stuff Saturday was that the most frustrating football game in the history of football games?
2: Um, I, I don't think so I think it's frustrating if you've got a team that is capable of winning and they're not trying I think if you ask a Manchester United fan their exit last night was more frustrating oh, because, boo-hoo. well, you know, because they're a team that should be winning. They should be performing better than they are. Instead of going through the motions and playing at a slow, slow tempo and and just basically boring everyone into submission. A team like Huddersfield Town, you could see the graph was there. You could see everything. They were every ounce of any, everything they had. You know, so that is not frustrating for me that is just the circumstances and situation of having a side going down to 10 men naturally you know it's going to be a bit of a back to the walls for them and it's up to the opposition to try what they can and obviously town did that um and they aren't the most free scoring side as well so a 0-0 was Inevitable in the end For me
3: I thought it was Incredibly frustrating <laughs> <laughs> Is the correct answer <laughs> I was getting driven Absolutely mad I, Like in our seats It was just Not not particularly Because Town couldn't score But because To just see a team Go 10 men Go down to 10 men And then just Set up shop And be like We're not even going to Try and get forward I think there was One ball into the area Which was miscontrolled And then Jonathan I cleared it up Yeah And it was just I don't know Like I, I, I can see why Swansea needed to do it. They need the points on the board. You know, they're in, you know, basically Towns position. So a point for them at that point was decent. What makes it more frustrating as well is that before the game, you would have taken a point, but because of the circumstances of the game, you really should have been taking three points there. So although you come out of it at the end being like, oh yeah, point, that's all right. Just, it was there for the (laughs) taking the game. Like if someone could just have... I don't know, like the amount of balls into the box which were just too high or just too short for the strikers. You know, it needs to be inch perfect in the Premier League and it just wasn't on the day, which made it more frustrating. And like you say, I'm not, you know, saying
1: that they didn't try anything like that, they threw everything at them, but it just didn't quite come off. Hmm, depends if you are frustrated by the fact that this team can only play one way. I mean, to have the most possession any team has in any game since 2003 and still not get over the line, I think would be frustrating in lots of people's book. Um, Aaron Moy obviously said after the game that he hadn't been a part of a team that had that much possession and, and not won. So um, I think, yeah, most town fans would have come away with a strong sense of, of what might have been. But um, at this stage of the season, you can't dwell too much, I think, on, on drop points like that. I think um, it's very much the case of, of moving on from this.
2: I I, I totally agree, going with what, what Tom said as well. I think to label it the most frustrating game of football, I think maybe certain players were more frustrating than others, and it was. Just, and as Tom alluded to the facts as well, it's the formation, is frustrating because it's only one way of playing. Um, certainly for me, Rajiv Van Power frustrated me uh, on the day. And Scott Malone as well. Um, everything seemed to be coming th- on the uh, right-hand side um, with flow. They were looking to flow. At one point, you had Malone and Rajiv van der power, free on the left. Aaron had the ball in the middle, and he was still looking out right because he just knew that if he got the ball out right, there would be some sort of delivery. Whereas the two on the left, um, you know, that they were just kind of playing like you know, the- with octopus legs yeah, I, just I agree. Going. I agree that that
3: like all the attacking was coming down the right, and I think Flo, proved, like, I think he's got the best delivery in the team. Yeah, most mm-hmm. people would agree with that. But the fact is that they went down the right and they still didn't score. So it's you know the pe- the two players on the left, I agree, were a bit more frustrating than Flo because at least he was putting balls into the box. Problem is those balls weren't quite good enough on the day either. So you know it's frustrating watching someone put loads of balls into the box and then not hit a man as it is watching two people not put any balls into the box or like put the occasional one in so uh, it was just a frustrating day all all around
0: do we have to give Swansea some credit though I mean was it a lack of end product on our part or or was it that Swansea just set up really well and a classic Carval performance
3: I, I don't know if I would give Swansea credit I give them I agree, yeah, they, they came away with a point, which is a great point from the situation that we're in. But that is, it was just a horrible game of football to watch. And you know, we will watch football hopefully to see town mm-hmm. win and to be entertained. Neither of those things <laughs> happened, which made it even more
1: frustrating. I mean, they've been Arsenal and Liverpool recently, so I think they'll be quite happy just to take a point from that game given the circumstances. Um, and actually, I think they've shown themselves to be quite adaptable in that sense, in a way that maybe town haven't in, in recent weeks. So yeah, I think they do take take some credit, although certainly wasn't easy on the eye. I, I thought um Hernandez and Mawson were brilliant at the back
2: for them and that and they have to take a bit of credit for you know how they dug in and that, um, and, and how they were composed, and they were, you know, very tight and frustrating. Um, but as I said, from my point point of view, from a perspective of bit, having a slight allegiance to Sunderland, um, you know Slime. that that is that is frustrating watching someone like Sundland and that week in week out or supporting Sundland and, and that and knowing there's players that aren't trying or you know or the re- just results. So, you know, I, I was keeping it a bit per
0: perspective. Yeah. Well, a lot of league one players are triers, so <laughs> I think they'll be fine, to be honest. Um, does anyone want to throw out some banal clichés about the red card? Uh, anyone? No? Over the ball studs up. Over the ball studs up. Reckless. Put him
1: high. Reckless, yeah. yeah. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> are there any lessons that Town can learn from this draw? I thought
1: the substitutions were interesting. Mm. I mean, that was something that, that provoked debate. Um, I think taking Pritchard off at the time he did I think confused a few and maybe not bringing Departure on earlier as well um, I thought that that maybe saw him I don't know concede a bit of spark that, that could have could have done something later on um, but uh, it's it's a fu- it was a funny one really I mean he hit the woodwork tr- woodwork twice uh, obviously so yeah, it is, I think it was a case of it's not their day. Yeah,
3: I, the substitution that you highlighted there, the, the Pritchard substitution I really didn't understand. I just I, I can understand he, he wanted to change up change the approach, but the approach didn't really change when when they made the substitution. And I think Pritchard's one of those players, he's probably the most incisive in the final third that town have. And when you're trying to break down a team with 10 players, you know, all it takes is the ball to fall to someone like him in the area and it's, you know, it's 1-0 and then the whole complexion of the, the game changes. If you're gonna, if you were gonna take him off, I'd rather have seen Sabiri on the pitch. You know, we probably haven't seen, we've seen flashes of what he can do. So maybe that was the, the kind of twenty-minute period that he might have been able to stamp his influence on on the game. But no, I, I would have liked to have seen Pritchard or at least another a number ten play out the rest of the game because I think, you know as well that you've got nothing to lose because Swansea weren't looking forward at all so you could pile on a few more players and I know you can't you really can't lose to to a team like Swansea who you're a direct rival but there was just no attacking impetus there at all that I think you could have thrown on a few more attacking players and taken off a defender
2: I think um, David after the game said he took Pritchard off because it wasn't it turned into not his source of game where it was trying to get balls into the box and literally just run through uh, Swansea which is why Colin Quana came on because he's hoping Colin would get the ball and run, run through or he, you know, his legs would it ricochet and through and, and that or, or whatever and someone would come into it um, so I think that's why Pritchard went off and I, I can agree and I can see the logic behind that but I, I agree with both Tom and, and Rory in the fact that Deporture should have been on earlier but to counter that as well I think the um, Poch and Meunier, when they have played briefly together there's no cohesion and there's no kind of they don't really know why they're going or where they're standing and playing together um, classic other example of it working well was Burnley were losing this weekend to West Ham they brought on uh, Chris Wood to play alongside Barnes two men up top and they seem to just work nowhere each other and and, and get the result in Tell the both end. a few West Ham fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so so yeah and I think that's that's the thing we can maybe take from it is you know there will be times when maybe Mounier mm-hmm. and Departure will have to play together so they need to be working on the training pitch in Whoa. those situations on the same training drills of like well you know I'll you, you stand here I'll stand there I'll knock it on I'll do this look for me doing this that and that because at the moment, you've got two very good individual strikers, but when they're on the field together, there's no cohesion.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned that before, haven't you? And you can't really expect there to be an understanding when they haven't played together that much. It's, mm-hmm. it's either or. So Let's move on to Palace and let's leave that Swansea game forever in the dustbin of history. It's difficult with Palace, isn't it? Because they're probably going to set up in a similar way they're going to be tight, constrict the space, try and hit us on the counter with the pace. So, what can we do differently?
3: I think, like we've touched on before, I think Town will set up exactly the same yeah. way. They'll play in the a 4 2 3 one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a completely unchanged team. For me, I think one change which could happen, which I think would be a good change to make, is to switch Jonathan Hogg for Danny Williams. Jonathan Hogg has been on a superb run of form, he's been excellent the last few games but so is Danny Williams and he brings you something a bit more dynamic to the middle of the the park he can carry the ball in a way that I don't think many of the other people in the town sort of team can do and drive the team forward that way
0: yeah Hogg's very good at doing what he does which is breaking up play and laying it off but I think you're right Williams is someone who can then move forward with it or offer something a bit different
1: extra mobility as well just a screen in in front of the back four while, while Palace counter at pace might help as well Og is, uh, as you say, a a tough competitor but maybe Williams just brings that ability to get around the park a bit more and snuff out a few few counter-attacks that I think Palace will will come with.
2: Yeah, the only other change as well, I think the reason Scott Malone played um, on Saturday against Swansea was because maybe Chris Lowe would be better at left-back against... um, Crystal Palace because of the width and the counter attacking at pace, um, and that particularly you've got Andros Townsend, you've got uh, Wilfreds Zahar back, so they will be looking to the width and and that and the and the channels really. So I think Chris Lowe gives a little bit more defensive stability and that, and I think he's got a better delivery as well than than Scott Malone. So that that would be the other change. As as everyone knows, there's a massive love in with me and Jonathan Hogg, but I, I can't. Is you that know, mutual? Well, I don't know, I, you know. So um, maybe after listening to this, you know, we'll find out or whatever. But um, but yeah, I, I can't disagree with what we said about Williams and that. Um, you know, he was he was playing so well, so it's hard to leave him out. And Hogg, okay, he was man of the match on Saturday, but you know, it
3: swings and roundabouts, so. I'll just touch on, on Chris Lover again. I think I think Scott Malone did play last weekend so that Lover can play this weekend because he's played Palace before this season. Mm. So he's gonna know what they're gonna bring. Obviously it's a different under a different manager and probably a different formation and that kind of thing, but he, he does know the players that he'll be up against a bit more than someone like Scott Malone would or Terence Conglow should you know, if he was fit. Yeah. Um so I think that's probably why Chris Loewe will get a nod this weekend. But I-
2: and I think Flow as well will definitely start again because Tommy did have a bit of a—he held his own uh, first game of the season against Zahar, but you know. Well, he should have been red carded. I mean. he, yeah, so a few
3: yellow card challenges.
2: Yeah, there, he there. did just about hold on in there and, and and that, but I don't think Tommy will be starting. So I definitely think it'll be Flow and Low. So.
0: Where does everyone stand on this debate on, on Twitter? The you know, the civilized forum for. Civil discussion. There's obviously something between town fans and Crystal Palace fans. That Crystal Palace fans felt that Zaha, in particular, was 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 bullied and treated unfairly in the first game of the season. So they're kind of out for revenge and sort of painting town as this team of 19th century 12 foot you know bullies. What's do, is there any truth to that? Well, I, would, I don't know where this has come from. It's a,
3: yeah, it's a bit it's a bit rich coming from a team that were managed by Tony Pulis for a few years. Like. <laughs> You know, you, I, I guess when when you come up from the championship, especially in the first game, you want to prove that you're you've got the metal to be there. Yeah. You know, if the ref doesn't give fouls, he doesn't give fouls, and if he does give fouls, it's up to him to to run the game, officiate it. I don't think Town were particularly bad. I think Wilfred Zaha as well maybe has a reputation for hitting the floor a bit too easy, which probably didn't. You know, that, I'm not saying that the referee got every decision right because I think there were some fouls in there that he didn't give, but. I also don't think it was particularly. There's nothing nasty in any of the tackles that no. they were going in hard, but hard and fair. Yeah.
0: And I distinctly remember from that game the first twenty minutes, thinking, "My God, Premier League referees blow their whistle constantly." Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just like to see what everyone's opinion on that was. Um, does anyone else have anything to add about Palace?
1: Um, I think it's a bit deceptive, obviously coming in on the face of it with poor form, but they played Spurs, Chelsea, and United recently. And I saw them play against United, obviously, and Matic getting that late goal. And they were superb in that game. Mm, yeah. Mm. They really were, uh, particularly in the first half. They, they dominated United for long spells. Um, and even against Chelsea on Saturday, the goal ruled out late on, uh, 2 0. Mm. Then Van Aanholt went to go and get another behind. So I think when they look at these, these three games, they've got, um, they've got quite a decent run in. They've got Liverpool still to play. But um, I think they're, they're quite an impressive outfit. Um, going, they went two up front with Benteke and Soloth, the, the big the big man up front. Um, so I think that gives them a bit of a bit of clout in the box as well as as well as being able to uh, to beat teams with with pace. So yeah, I think um, when you look at, I mean, it was, it was interesting seeing the London Football Awards recently. Roy Hodgson was actually voted Manager of the Year. Yeah, um, I thought it was, I mean obviously that was voted when they just had the. The Reco- recovery after seven uh, under Frank De Boer has also been quite outspoken last week as well but um, yeah I thought that was an interesting one I think Roy's Roy's done the job that most people would have expected of him there and I think he may well keep them safe
3: uh, uh, sorry I agree that he's done a decent job what I would say that you touched on their, their run of form they've not won in seven or something mm. but they have you know been reasonably impressive against those sort of teams at this stage of the season, I'd rather a team be playing poorly and picking up points than a team being, playing really well and not getting what what they deserve. Because I think, mm-hmm. you know, you get into that winning habit a little bit, and you know, Crystal Palace don't have that. As, you know, they're the second still the to bottom zone. of the form. Too. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I I totally agree with what what Tom said. Um, I I was actually at this game at Selhurst Park, and they were absolutely brilliant. But we do have to, but. Guard that by saying Manchester United were absolutely atrocious in that first 45 minutes they did raise their game um, obviously they got 2-0 ahead then Small and I think got one back and you could just see they had that set up of a relegation side Right, we must not lose this started going further and further back into their own half and, and that and camping out and, and, and everything positive that they were doing before they went 2-0 up just dissipated and they got the sucker punch and they were down on their feet at the end but it's that sort of spirit as much as anything that I think does see you through and that's you know the same thing. To Towns got the terrier spirit, and you look at the the sides. And I I still maintain going down West Brom, Stoke, and Southampton. And you know I was vindicated so far with Southampton against Newcastle because they didn't have that spirit and they weren't playing. Whether Husey comes in and changes that and they get some some of that back, but I think it's as much about being brave and having the spirit mm. to to get out and that. Um, but yeah, totally. And, and Roy's got form. Don't forget Roy's got form. Fulham. Fulham, Fulham escape, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fulham West and West Brom as well. West Brom I, think, I don't I don't know if it was before, but I know definitely Fulham was he 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 kept them up yeah. and North then Portsmouth, yeah, was Yeah. Yeah. And then the next season they went and I think they went on that Europa League run or something was it? So Yeah, they got to the final. Yeah. Lost
3: to Bilbao did they? Or Atletico? Atletico, yeah. Yeah.
2: So so I I said jokingly down to a few of the uh, the, the Palace sort of uh, staff down. I said, "Oh, you know, you survive this year, you'll be, you know, heading to Europa League this season after or something Mm. on the via the fair play or something. So um I think they'll have enough, but whether they'll have enough to get three points on Saturday, I hope not.
0: So can I have your score predictions? I'll start with you, Rory. Uh
3: I'm gonna go one one. I think town don't like to do anything the easy way True. Uh, so I think it'll be a draw and you know the nerves will creep in a little bit more I still, ex- even if they draw I still think they'll stay up uh, I think there are three worse teams than them
0: yeah. who scores important question Alex Pritchard dead ball situation brilliant
3: I, w- I was going to go 1-1 one, one as well
0: he um, can't now he's done it yeah 0-0 uh, 0-0 no. nil
3: 0 <laughs> oh,
2: no. and you know Crystal Palace have two players sent on. <laughs> <laughs> Um no, I, I I said four games, uh, four points out of the next two, um, and that. They've got one. Um, Palace aren't, you know, I don't know if they're the greatest away from home. I, I'm going to say maybe sneaky one-nil town and that. Um, and the scorer will be Laurent Departre. Tom? Um,
1: I'll shake it up. 2-1 Palace. Um, Zaha, <laughs> get out. <laughs> get out. You won't be invited back. <laughs> um... Zaha potentially back I think he's the kind of player that could decide that yeah. game um, and they've also got other players back uh, Sacco, Loftus-Cheek, Kabai if they get two of those back I think they'll have enough um, but yeah I agree I think there are definitely three worst sides in town I just just don't fancy them on
0: Saturday Right well I'm going to go 1-0 town I'll go for a Tommins goal <laughs> yeah. a 40 yard screamer <laughs> every week Tommins still not shaved still not come A hair it's getting ridiculous in here Right, let's move on to the big, big topic of the week. Is David Wagner off back to Dortmund? I'm going to start with Blake.
2: Yeah, um, thanks for that. Obviously, anyone who maybe has been living in a cave or or whatever, there was a story that broke, um, I think it was um, Saturday evening uh, in the mirror, um, saying that Dortmund are unhappy with their current coach, who's only been there four months. And they... um, they're keeping tabs on David Wagner and um, making, you know, prepare to maybe make a swoop in the summer. Um, everything else is said was, you know, David's been doing a great job at town, whether they stay up or get relegated, his job here is pretty safe, which we all know. So the million dollar question, which uh, James has nicely deferred straight to me, is is he off if he got that offer? Just like to say, if he got that offer, nothing is definite um, at the moment it's just press speculation but they don't just pluck these things out of the, the air um, it would be very hard to turn down Dortmund um, yes he has turned down previous things Aston Villa Wolfsburg um, but I think David back then and still David now knows his worth he, you know he knows you know where he wants to be and the currency he 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 is at, and I think at the moment, if they stayed up, his currency would be at probably the highest it could be for a long time. And if a decent club, and I'm not just saying Dortmund, maybe Arsenal. Again, that's just you heard yeah. it here first, no, David no, no, Wagner no. But, on but, his way to the Emirates. But you you know that's you know he know he knows you know he knows what he wants and he knows and he would be looking for a bigger. You know, not just a mid-table. You know, Watford, and I was sagging Watford off again. Oh God Um
0: We're still trying to get emails in the emails. The last episode,
2: yeah, one every yeah. two months or something. So you know, or, or Everton, you know, Everton, something that you know. So he and that, and I, I think no one will begrudge him if he went to a, a, a side like you know Dortmund, Everton, you know, Arsenal, whatever.
0: I mean, I think he'll go whether we stay up or whether we go down either to Dortmund or maybe a similar sized club mm. I think the, the writing's on the wall for me, does anyone else have an opinion on that?
1: Uh, I think if it's the case of uh, just specifically on Dortmund are they going to be in the market for a new manager in the summer? Potentially yes, I think that they will be, um, they have struggled this season under Thomas Tuchel although Batshuayi coming in has helped them Climb up the table, but it looks like they will maybe will miss out on European football. Um, should Town prepare themselves for an approach? I think yes. I think there's certain to be to be interest, uh, as you say. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think he's, I think he's on his way.
0: Rory, Rory, the face of someone who doesn't want to have an opinion uh, yeah. on this subject. <laughs>
3: uh, I think they will be offers. Um, I'm not going to say whether I think he'll. Well, I don't know if he'll go or not. I'm not really sure. It depends what he's. He always talks about this long-term plan that he had at Huddersfield. It depends how long that plan is. If his plan is to keep him up and then make him mid-table and mm-hmm. go for a cup run next year, I think he will stick to his original plan. Like If his plan was to keep him up and then that's as far as he wants to take the club or he thinks he can take the club, then he'll leave. But I, I wouldn't want to guess at this uh, at the minute whether he'll go or not. Because I think at, as well at a club like Huddersfield with Dean Hoyle, in that owner he's found someone who will back him to the hilt wherever and I think if he went to a club this, like Dortmund have mm. changed managers pretty regularly the last few years uh, Arsenal anyone who takes over from Wenger is going to have a poison chalice mm. like when, some, when Moyes took over from Fergie yeah I don't think it's
2: his but I think Fergie was quite well respected still when he left I think Wagner yeah, I think but I people think you, are going to be calling him taxis and showing him the door if you talk
3: honest. to United fans though about had the state that Fergie left the club in it does leave a bit of a tarnished mark on his reputation. Obviously, you can't take away the titles, but he yeah. left he left Moyes with nothing. To yeah, care. yeah. He was, was I well. mean, he
0: hadn't bought a central midfielder. in you know, yeah. years he'd brought skulls back from retirement. Yeah,
3: Anderson playing in centre midfield.
0: That's yeah.
3: you know, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think there are pros and cons from staying and leaving. You know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to guess what he's thinking in his head.
2: Of course, there's a precedent as well for a side getting relegated and the manager leaving and, and getting a better job in Roberto Martinez as well. Um, again, very close relationship with the chairman there. Um, okay, they won the FA Cup, which kind of like, oh yeah, okay, you know, won the FA Cup. But Martinez went on to manage Everton. First season, he was he was great at Everton. Then it went a bit sour. Now he's Belgium boss. So, you know, taking Belgium to a, a World Cup. So there is precedent as well. So I think even if he went down, I don't think his credibility would be tarnished too much by having the relegation on his CV because everyone thought they'd have 10 points and be down by now and be the biggest laughing stock in Premier League history. So he's proved
0: everyone wrong already. There we are, the hot take. Is there anything else, Blake? There was something you wanted to mention.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know story um, that we had. Uh, news actually put out a story about a, a woman, her first game um, at the John Smith Stadium, and she got booted out and was banned for life or banned indefinitely because she was drinking alcohol um, in view of the pitch, um, and that she is a new. She was a new fan with a husband who hadn't been for ten years, and. I just thought it's a little bit overzealous, really. Um, I've, I've been to games. I think I went a, a few years ago. Fulham versus Blackpool, and there was a mixed, you know, mixed zone um, of fans. And there's a load of American girls who were coming to watch the soccer, and half-time and they had like a, a, a couple of pints of beer, and they went up to the concourse to try and, you know, because that's what they do in America, and. Um, Steward just said, oh, Sorry, you can't take. Oh, oh, well, you're not allowed to drink, and it's like, no big deal. And I just think the steward was a little bit overzealous in his behaviour and just wondered what everyone's take was on the issue of drinking in grounds and this.
1: Um, I think, well, if you look at a sport like rugby, the argument's always been the behavioural mm-hmm. aspect of it, that it impacts. Impacts that I think uh, when you look at sport like rugby, and that does attract quite a lot of people to it. Um, obviously, it's an inferior spectacle, but um, <sighs> yeah, I think Watford, that's Watford
0: rugby, anything else? <laughs> that's just. Uh, that's just <laughs> yes, I mean, the uh, life ban
1: is. <laughs> yeah, a life ban is is quite ridiculous. Band. Just. Yeah. We all lie, you need yeah, is to tap so on the shoulder, just like um, hand that over to me. or,
0: or They're issuing indefinite bans for anything now and taking a very long time to process the bans now. You could say that you got to give them the benefit of the doubt because there's a lot more people coming, but they are handing out a lot more bans and they're not using common sense. Um, We've had a lot more issues this year with with banning orders and a lot of the stuff is just just petty and it it didn't have to escalate to that level. I think we're at a stage now with K. S. Dale and John Robinson, where you know I, I would say that that relationship could be a lot better if there was a proper mechanism of dialogue between the stadium holding company and supporters groups. Whether it's ourselves, whether it's the Cowshed loyal, whether maybe the supporter liaison officer could be involved it's definitely something that we're we're keen to take on because we don't want it to be like this next season. Yeah. Um,
2: I think as well, you know, we we're, we're talking because it's it's not full ownership of the club. You know, there's KDSL like a few weeks ago I was waiting for David after the Bournemouth game and you know Julian Winter it's Mr. Wagner to you. Yeah, Mr. you know, Mr. Wagner. Sir. Sir um and uh, Julian Winter couldn't get through with the owner of AFC Bournemouth the uh, steward stopped him and said sorry you haven't got a pass down here and so Julian was like you know not rude or anything he was just kind of saying well do you know who I am I'm Julian Winter this is the owner of AFC Bournemouth and uh, it was just all a little bit awkward and you know uncomfortable and I just think it needs to be sorted out um, with um, it needs to be sorted out with whoever's stewarding and a little bit more common sense all round really
0: Anyone else? No? So I think we're, we're done for the week Well uh, Oh no we've got a question Thank you for that Blake doing my job for me Cameron Littlewood on Twitter What's wrong with Tom Ince? and is he good enough for the Premier League he just can't score we all know that hence my beard
1: <laughs> I asked him a lot when he was at Derby um, and he was kind of he always wanted to play in that kind of right position, right of the three. Um, and now he's got his chance and we played him a, we played him a lot at number 10 um, and he wasn't happy with that. Now he's got a run in the Premier League in his preferred position and hasn't produced. So I think that says a heck of a lot about, about the, the guy and, and where his career is going. So back to the championship. <laughs> is that what you're saying, Tom? I, I, I think
3: he's he's a confidence player, isn't he? I think yeah. if he if he managed to net four goals in four games, but is that going to happen? I, I don't know. Maybe if he scores, then the confidence will flow and he'll be a, be able to get going. I think, mm. you know, I don't want to make excuses for him, but he is, you know, he needs to be stepping up a little bit now. and needs to be scoring more goals and creating more than he is. I do think that he is. A pain for defenders to come up against. Hmm. He just needs to work on that final product, which is, you know, something we've said about quite a lot of the
2: time
0: And it's and not for want of C- trying. No, he yeah, does have a lot not. of shots, yeah. and and he's been unlucky in many ways. I he's
2: think. technically very good as well. He's, you know, we talked about Colin Kwana last week in comparison. Technically, Tom is he's very good. It is just his end product. Um, one one thing I will say, which I wouldn't like to agree with, but it has stuck in my head and I don't want to name drop, but I was talking a, f- a few games ago to Joey Barton before before a game, and he was asking <laughs> about, he <laughs> was asking about, you know, we're talking, and Tommins came up, and he said, Tommins is a deceptive player, he's never actually earned the right to be in the Premier League, he's always managed to manoeuvre or, or get moves to Premier League sides, and obviously, you know, with Crystal Palace, Hull, and, and now Huddersfield Town, he's never been in a, promotion winning side and, and being there by right and you know I don't know I don't know if there's something in that you know Turn down
1: into Milan as everyone
2: yeah turn down into Milan as well so you know there's a lot of players
0: like that though isn't yeah, there? there yeah is. there no, is that's, that's, so,
2: yeah. that's why I don't want to
0: and the, the, f- the flip side of having a famous dad who's played football and, and maybe getting opportunities is that you're always held to the standard yeah of your, of, your, of your dad or your famous relative or, or whatever and he's just never going to be that but nobody's saying that he has to be and so I think he's he's held to an unfairly high standard that other players aren't I think he's a good player I think he does good tra- defensive work tracking back I think he can be a handful I think this season he hasn't had a, a real run on the right where he prefers to play he's, he's often been a number 10 or he's been shunted out for, for Kwanna and I think we ran a poll The eighty-two percent of people said they would rather have Ince on the right than than So, you know, the people have spoken. Yeah, totally. I I would never say this to Joey Barton's face, but you know, it was something
2: I wasn't one hundred percent agreeing with, but it was just something interestingly raised. Coward. (laughs) Yes, Joey.
0: Yes, (laughs) whatever you say. And on that note, we will bid you farewell. But remember, if you've enjoyed listening, go to iTunes, give us a five star review, and until then, keep the faith. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand,
3: 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Week. Kijk op ben.nl.
2: Let op. Geld leenen kost geld.